Since Jesus has forgiven you and remembers your sins no more, but you haven't forgiven you and remember all of your sins, then the question is, who's right, you or God? Now, we're getting ready to talk about this with a great friend of mine, Pastor Andrew DeLee. Let's talk about it. In today's cruel culture and wounded world, you deserve some good news. Preacher Things started in 2016, devotional encouragement that challenged how most believers believe. Later, I was approached about turning the social media post into something more akin to audiovisual format that explained and extended the thoughts for clarity. Clarity came in 2021. After a season of frustration, transition, personal growth, and soulful maturing, the Preacher Think podcast puzzle began falling into place while worshiping through bitterness, praising through change, being comforted, cared for, and counseled back into leadership, and enjoying a season of celebration. God blessed me with a team, the resources, the support, and the permission to present to you Preacher Think. Thoughts downloaded from God and His Word, uploaded to all through the lens of grace and kingdom. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to Preacher Think, where I take thoughts downloaded from God and His Word and upload them to you via the lens of grace and kingdom. I am the creator and the host of Preacher Think, Chad Joyner, and man, I am excited to share with you today what's going to be shared. And when we do this today, man, we're going to jump off from this thought. Since Jesus has forgiven you and remembers your sins no more, but you haven't forgiven you and you remember all of your sins, then the question is, is who's right, you or God? Now, before we jump into this thought, I have got a gift for the Preacher Think family that's joining me today. This individual has pastored multiple churches and ministered in various ways and is now the campus pastor of Calvary Church Griffin. In Griffin, Georgia, I just had the opportunity to minister with that family that uh, at that church and with with my friend that's joining me today. Just recently on a Sunday morning, he has been married to his wife Rhonda for thirty one years. That tells you something of his commitment. He is an avid um, snowboarder and a biker, so that you know riding bikes and things like that. So that tells you something about his adventurous side. And this man does not mind getting his hands dirty as he is bivocational. And much like myself, I can't say this for everybody, but this guy gets super excited about the gospel. This man has an amazing testimony, which we're going to jump into momentarily. And he is my brother and my friend. So Preacher Think family, I hope out there, whoever's watching this and viewing this, I hope that you will help me Welcome to Preacher Think for today, Pastor Andrew DeLee. Pastor Andrew, how you doing, sir? I'm doing fantastic, uh, Chad. Man, I'm so excited about being on here with you and just hanging out with you and uh, discussing uh, the greatest topic in the world, and that's how good God is. And so I'm excited today. I believe that uh, I believe that anytime we have the opportunity to declare and to demonstrate the gospel, I think it's a powerful tool and an opportunity, and I appreciate you having this podcast to begin with, to be able to take the declaration of the gospel to as many lives as possible so that we can reach the depths of, uh, of how good God is in so many, in, in as many people's lives as possible. Man. And so I'm here today. That's amazing. I love it. Thank Pastor Andrew for real, man. I, I appreciate your love, your support. 
your friendship. And I thank you really so much for taking the time to speak into the Preacher Think family, to speak into this ministry today. And like I said just a second ago, here's the thought that we're going to jump off from. Uh, Since Jesus has forgiven you and remembers your sins no more, but you haven't forgiven you, so many people out there today that we're talking to that's going to watch this, that's going to view this, that's going to listen to this, they remember their sins. But the question is, well, who's right? You or God? So what I want to do here is let me lay down a little bit of just commentary and talk about this a little bit. And then I'm going to jump into some questions with you. Just get some insight from you. Because when I think about this thought, um, first of all, I kind of want to work backwards. I asked the question, well, who's right in this, you or God? And I think both of us would agree with a resounding God is correct in this. And when I say that, um, I mean that God in Jesus Christ has already forgiven you, whoever you are out there, past, present, and future, and he remembers your sins no more. And that is so, so powerful, Pastor Andrew, because the Bible says that he remembers your sins no more. It doesn't say that he forgot any of our sins. And there is a difference between forgetting sins and not remembering them anymore. Uh, because remember, uh, forgetting somebody's sins would be like, you know, God being some old dude up in heaven uh, with amnesia or, you know, some form of, uh, of um, just, you know, mind loss where he doesn't remember where he placed your sins. No, he, he's not some austere old God like, you know, just an old man that's like us when we forget our keys and where we put them at to go out of the house in the morning. He's not that kind of a God. He didn't forget our sins. But remembering your sins no more means that he actually made a choice to not reattach those things to us again. That's what remember means. And a lot of times I've given this example quite a few times, even on this podcast. If I take a knife and I cut my thumb off, that's called dismemberment. So to remember my thumb to my hand or put the member back onto my hand, that would be meaning to reattach it. So what God is saying here is he's saying out of an act of my will, I'm choosing not to reattach your faults, your failures, your frailties, and all of those things to you ever again. It's not that I'm nullifying that you did something. I'm just saying that I have completely chosen to forgive you, and that stuff will never be reattached to you again. But the problem is, is we haven't forgiven ourselves, so many of us, and and we seem to remember or reattach our sins to us, or at the very least, we reattach the memory of the things that we did, which, which breeds guilt and shame and condemnation. And all of that infection and bitterness stays in us over the course of all of the time that we're choosing not to forgive ourselves. So again, I think today, uh, just for a topic sake, we're for clarity's sake, we're talking about self forgiveness, which I think is again, a huge roadblock and an epidemic, especially in the body of Christ. But really, I mean, it's it's all over the world. We see it in people in the marketplace every single day. So it's believers and unbelievers alike. So this is for everybody. And, and obviously, you know, so many people are operating in unforgiveness uh, towards others and themselves that it means that they are actually ingesting the poison of bitterness, which again, breeds living below what Christ has paid for on behalf on our behalf. And he paid for it for everybody, whether you're a believer right now, or you have yet to believe Jesus has paid the cost for you not to live below the line. 
And in this bitterness that's been stirred up from you holding on to this unforgiveness again for others, but for the sake of today, especially for yourself. And again, I just want to focus today on uprooting the idea, the idea that anybody has to hold on to the memory of their past faults, failures and frailties, because that's indeed what Jesus brought to, 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 to our lives when he brought the great exchange uh, to our life for us to relinquish our old life to get his new life. No matter how heinous or horrendous the things that we've done in our lives, we've always got to remember God didn't come. Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people live. And, and he desires that we live in all that he has uh, afforded us by his finished week work on the cross. So with that being said, Pastor Andrew, I just want you to tell the people who you are. And in telling them who you are, I would like for you to really share your testimony, because as you and I you know, connected and talked about this, I really believe that this is going to feed well into encouraging others to break free from the memory of their past. And I continue to say the memory of their past because God has forgiven us, but we all have human brains and we've got memory banks that hold on to the things that we did. And today I want us to uproot even the memory of those things so that we can really begin to live full and free in what Christ has done for us. So Pastor Andrew, man, I really do. I want you to share your testimony and encourage other people about breaking free from the memory of their past. Yeah, you know, uh, I have a, uh, a a rough story, and I, I tell folks uh, I got delivered, and then I had to get delivered from what delivered me. <laughs> on, sir, if you know what I'm talking about. So, you know, you know, I, I come from a I come from a rough, rough past. You know, I, I, a typical story of a guy rose raised in the hood had uh, you know my dad was a drug addict. You know, raised in just drugs. Uh, I was unfortunately, you know, my that, my dad had a lot of drug buddies come around, and and so uh, unfortunately, you know, my childhood was uh, was kind of damaged quite badly from uh, from uh, just being, you know, molested and different things that I went through as a child. But that drove me harder into drugs and alcohol because, you know, I just I, I live in a place of escape, you know, and I think that's where we all begin, right? Yeah. When we when life is filled with pain. Our first instinct is to escape, right? To, yeah. to get guilt, the pain, the frustration, whatever. And so, uh, I ran, uh, and I ran hard into drugs and I got into a place, uh, you know, I, I, I tell you, thank God for our believers who, who believe in people who nobody else believes in. Uh, oh. Pastor Roger Gowen, who actually pastors Voice Church in Fort Walton Beach, Florida. If you're ever in that area, my God, you want to talk about a church that just preaches raw grace. Roger Gowen preaches raw grace down in Fort Walton Beach. And uh, but Roger began a a long process uh, of God just laying me on his heart. And so he began to come to my house on a weekly basis to try to get me to come to church to witness to me. Man, I treated this guy so badly. You know, I cussed him out, pushed him off my porch one time. I mean, I, it was just bad. Threatened to kill him. I mean, I just, but the guy kept coming back and kept kept coming back. And I remember, Chad, it's so, so powerful. The moment that I knew what love felt like or had a resemblance of what love felt like is uh, uh, Roger was in a service on a Sunday night. And they were having church, and, and I, I got saved during a time of explosive revival, you know, back in the 80s. Wow. And. So 
So he invite he he shows up my well he's he's at church and the evangelist up there preaching. He said, "Hey, there's a, a drug addict from the east side of Griffin is going to give his heart to the Lord tomorrow night. He's going to stand right here. God's told you who he is. Go get him." You know, I was out of Griffin and I was a drug addict and Rogers figured that it's got to be me. So he runs to my house. He's chosen my house at ten o'clock at night on a Sunday night. Tries to get me to get up and come to church right then. They're still having church. He wants me to get up and go right then. I'm, I'd been strung out for a couple of weeks on meth. I just wanted to go to sleep. I was just been, uh, I just was tired, worn out. And uh, he come in and began to talk about stuff, and I didn't want to hear it. I just said a few explicit words and told him to get out of my house. I don't want to hear it. Wow. Uh, he sat down. He said, well, before I go, I'm going to pray. And he sat down and began to pray about my impending doom and different things. And but here's the part, Chad, when he gets up to leave. This is beautiful, Chad. Walks to the door, and he turns, grabs hold of the knob, and he stops. Chad, he turns at me. He says, I hope when I die and I go to heaven, God blocks out my memory of you, or it just won't be heaven. And when I never heard somebody speak that kind of love, that kind of just raw, authentic just passionate love. And so the next night I came home from work, he's in my yard. He said, look, if you'll come to church with me tonight, you'll never hear from me again. I won't come. I won't bother you no more. If you'll come this one night. And I said, you promise you promise. I ain't never going to hear from you again. If I come this one time, he said, I promise. So we go to church that night and, uh, you know, uh, as soon as they have the altar service, I dove in the altars, you know, and this guy, the pastor, the evangelist looks down at me and says right there, said, said, you know, Roger said, here's the drug addict. I was standing in the exact spot the, the guy said the night before that I would be standing in. And there I was getting saved and delivered and set free. And, man, I did. I got set free. But the problem was, Chad, and I think this is the problem that we have. So many people get saved. Uh, when I first you know, received the life of Christ, it was, in a, it was in a place of great bondage. It was in a place of such law and legalism. Yeah. You know, old, you know, you, you wasn't even a good believer if you didn't fast at least three days a month. If you didn't go on one three-day fast a month, you really wasn't a good believer. <laughs> every Thursday, we're on a three-day fast at least once a month, a seven-day fast every quarter. I fasted 14 days, 17 days, 21 days, water only. I'm not just serious, but it was all for religion. It was never for the right reason. I thought if I did this, God would owe me something. Mm. And so the next year, I was sold out for God, man. I was fired up, preaching, just doing everything. It's, it's going amazing. A couple of events took place, and I found myself into a depression. I sat on the back porch of my apartment. After a year of being radical for Jesus, I decided, man, I was in too much of a depression because how many? we, we both know that religion doesn't work, right? Right, right. I didn't have nobody explain to me the relationship that I could actually have with Christ. I was saved. I knew that I was born again, but I didn't have a concept of what it meant to have a relationship with Jesus. And so after a year, and I'm going to Bible studies, by the way, three, four nights a week, I'm getting beat up with the word. I mean, I'm getting the word. So I'm in Bible study. So I know I'm, I, I knew, I knew the way of the law. And so I'm, I'm getting all this and, but I come to me and myself, I can't do this anymore. And I reverted right back to my old lifestyle because that's what happens when religion doesn't satisfy. We go back to what used to at least give us right. some kind of satisfaction. Right. Right. So, uh, I wound up for the next three months. I went on this drug spree and spent, you know, thou tens of thousands of dollars. I uh, wound up the same guy who led me to the Lord. I wound up stealing everything he had. I sold his car, wrote a bunch of bad checks on him, 
And uh, he actually had to have me arrested. And I remember sitting in my jail cell after this three-month thing and Roger having me put in jail for ripping him off so bad. I sat in that jail cell going, what just happened? I, I was like, what just happened? So after, a, you know, I spent her two years in prison, gets out of prison, go to rehab, get out of rehab. And uh, I end up meeting my wife and we begin uh, to do ministry together. And she was like, you know, like you said, we've been married for 31 years. She's been with me every step of the way for these past 31 years. We've passed the same church for 22 years. And uh, so we've been in ministry, you know, basically since day one. And so uh, I was really started building ministry, started doing ministry, but I was relying on old techniques. I was relying on an old way of doing things. And through that old way of doing things, you know, I kept in that same system of you got to fast and you got to do all this and you got to do all that. And I was just weighed down. I actually, you know, I, I, I consider myself a strong man, very strong, uh, strong physically. I'm strong emotionally. I'm strong mentally, strong man. I was able to survive pastoring like that for 17 years. Wow. 17 years. And it wasn't until I came to the end of myself to say, I cannot do this anymore because I was so riddled with guilt. I passed for 17 years up under a weight of guilt, uh, guilt of things that I'd done in my past, guilt of my childhood, guilt. Of, and so I'm rattled with all this guilt that God had not even remembered anymore. He had not even, you know, he was, they were not attached to my life anymore. Yet in my mind, right. they were there. And so I have this memory in my mind of what be a uh, the memory, and I know sometimes we want to escape the memory, but this particular memory, uh, the Lord turned around on me, and uh, so, uh, but because how I many you know, we, we both know that God saved us even on our most depraved moment, and we all know me, you, Chad, you got it in your mind right yep. now. I, listening to this podcast, you know in your mind your most depraved moment because that's the moment you'll never forget. Yep. Remember, I was riding down the road. I was 16 years old, and we've been shooting up cocaine. And we ride down the road, and I'd run out of cocaine, but I had a needle left, and a cop got behind us. I got nervous, and I threw the needle out the window. The next night, it was pouring down rain. We scored some more cocaine, but we didn't have a needle. But I remembered throwing that needle out my window. A used needle, mind you. Drove back to where it was. I said, I know I can find it. And I got out there, and I'm on my hands and knees, digging through three inches of mud. It's just mud. I'm digging through mud. I find this syringe that's coated in mud. The guys in the car and held it up like I had just won a trophy. My goodness. We took that needle, took it back, and we cleaned it, you know, and you know, as clean as you could possibly get a needle. And we all begin to use that needle, sharpening on a matchbook to get it sharp. If any addicts out there know what I'm talking about, because you'd use a needle and you'd just sharpen on a matchbook and keep using it. And, and when, when I got saved and when I turned my life over the Lord, I remember that moment. I felt so overwhelmingly guilty because who could, how could a man be that depraved? How could a man go that far? And it just, it carried, stayed with me. Well, it wasn't until I came to the place to where I really knew that I was free in Christ, that that memory turned into a source of praise. Mm. See, when I think of that day now, I think of, look what the Lord has done. Come on. He's 
on a day that was so depraved and so bad. What's these other days got to do compared to that? You know, and when 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 that guilt, when I forgave myself, when I forgave my 16 year old naive, didn't know no better self, who was raised in a you know what did I know then at 16? I, I was doing what I knew, right? You know, I was doing what I, I was expected of me at that time. And so why am I why am I carrying guilt for something no one God doesn't remember? And on top of all that, it was, it was for something that I had no control over. And for those who are, you know, you're listening today and you think, you know, I'm carrying guilt for stuff I did in my childhood and it's carrying with me. You're carrying guilt for something that you didn't really have control over. Come on. You know, you know, one of the greatest, and I used this story in Africa last year when I was in Africa, we had uh, uh, nearly 400, 395 pastors, I think it was. And I was ministering to all these pastors in this room and they were struggling with forgiveness. The concept you know, because in Africa, they're very, very, very religious, very much the law. And so we're introducing grace to a culture that has embraced the law mm-hmm. hardcore. But now they're embracing grace and it's growing like, I can't even hold on to it, Chad. It's a great one. So uh, I go over there and, and there's a story back when I was a child. I must have been uh, five, six years old, maybe five. My brother, me and my brother are very close, very tight. And, uh, and when I was about five or six years old, we had a neighbor who was our babysitter and, uh, I was in love with her at five years old and she invited us over for breakfast on a Saturday morning and me and my brother was going and as it, we had to bring our own egg because back then we was poor. If you want to go, <laughs> we was going to go to breakfast, but you had to bring your own egg. And that was all you was going to eat was that egg. <laughs> oh, folks. And, uh, so my brother come out of porch. He had to use the restroom. He said, hold my egg. And, uh, he went back in the house. I went back in the house. I dropped his egg because I was jealous of him being over there with her. He come back out. I said, Hey, sorry. I dropped your, your egg. I didn't drop my egg. I dropped your egg. And he went back in the house crying. I went and had breakfast with the uh, babysitter that Chad, you have no idea because me and my brother were so close. We we're so tight. I mean, we were really, really close. And that absolutely wrecked me. I felt guilty about that. I'm talking about, 30 years wow. it, to the point. Chad, listen to what I did. This is how much guilt I carried over this egg, right? It's an egg. People, it's an egg. <laughs> it's an egg. When I became uh, an adult, if me and my brother would go out to breakfast, I always bought his breakfast. No matter what, I'm buying his breakfast every single time. This goes on for a decade. And so every time a check would come, I'd grab it and buy his breakfast, buy his breakfast, buy his breakfast. Finally, he gets to the place and like, what are you doing? He's like, every single time I go to grab the check to buy our breakfast, you never let me buy our breakfast. What is going on here? Right. This is just, you'll, go, you'll about fight me over that ticket. <laughs> I thought if I kept buying him breakfast, that that would somehow or another ease my guilt, but it never worked. And how many of us do the same thing, right? We'll do something uh, to try to eradicate the guilt, everything but Jesus, right? Right. And so for a decade, I finally tell my brother, I said, well, you remember the egg? He said, no. He had no idea. You know, he no he more remembered that than anything, right? right? And, and so, but I'm carrying all this guilt for all these years. And that moment I realized, wait, I've been carrying the guilt for, you know, for 
30 years, 35 years now for something that was so insignificant. When I shared that in Africa last year, I had every pastor, every pastor, Chad, in that room came to the altars weeping. Every pastor getting deliverance from guilt because they fed up with guilt from their past, past that they had not forgiven themselves for. They believed that Jesus loved you and forgave you, but couldn't believe that Jesus loved them and forgave them. Want to share the good news? You can support Preacher Thing by sharing it with everyone using the share button. You can stay connected to Preacher Thing via Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and various podcast streaming platforms. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns about what the gospel has done for you, message us or leave them in the comment section. You can also email us at preacherthink at gmo.com. Thanks for tuning in.